What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to the first episode of the 2022 season with the Cover Zero podcast. I'm Jordan. Tonight, I am joined by Henry. What's up, bro? How you doing? Doing well, doing well. Good to be back on. I know life and work is taking over, but great to be back with you, fellas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It has, it has been a while. Corday, how are you doing? I think this might be the first time me, Corday, and Henry have done a show together. My brother, Mr. Cordellis, how are you doing? I'm doing, I'm doing amazing. I'm doing great. This is the first time me, you, and Henry done it, and I'm, I'm super glad to be here as always. I'm super glad to be on with Henry, too. I always think he's super funny on the podcast, and I always look forward to the episodes he's on. Oh, absolutely, bro. Like, the Henry laugh on yes. an episode, like, you, it cannot be replicated. It, it just can't. I'm sorry. Facts. Some people will tune Facts. in just to hear that. All right. I remember, the uh, what was it, when Lamar Jackson played uh, the Seahawks, and he was like, that motherfucker fast. I was like, yo, I've heard that podcast episode so so many times, but it is so much funnier when Henry did it because I saw it finally live a few weeks ago, and I was like, yo, Henry was right. He was like, that motherfucker fast. I was like, yep, yep, <laughs> he was right. <laughs> uh, well, actually, you know what? Okay, I'm, I'm going to spin this off, off, just off the tracks one quick second here right now because we haven't had Henry on, Henry on in a while, and I know you saw this. Your Ravens today, Lamar Jackson. Yes, sir. The cast of people that were out there today and the in the midst of not getting the contract extension. You know, what like where are your thoughts on week one, I guess, against the Jets, getting the victory today in the state of the Ravens and your squad? Uh started off slow. Started off really slow. No run game. Uh you could tell the rust was there because of course he didn't play in the, the, the preseason. Uh but I want to say in that second quarter when Marcus Marcus Williams got that interception, finally started getting things going. Um, everybody kept talking about our, our wide receiver core, of course, since we uh, traded away Marquise Brown to the Cardinals. But Devin DuVernay stepped up. Rashad Bateman stepped up. And it's funny, we didn't even have big games from Mark Andrew or Isaiah Likely, which I think are two other weapons. Absolutely. Do something. They didn't even have no big games. So just imagine mm-hmm. when they come back. J.K. Dobbins comes back. Gus Edwards comes back. Rodney Stanley comes back. Um, I think we can really do something this year. Man, that deep post to Bateman. Like, that was just one of them flicks. Like, that ball was gone, and Bateman was so – it's like, wow. Like, okay. Safety is so good, man. Oh, man. Oh. I, I hope to see more of that. You know, I, I got you one in the division, and that's how, it, that's how it's happening. Corday, I'll give you your chance. Talk about your team today. This Sunday, Philadelphia Eagles playing against Detroit, fighting Dan Campbell's made it close at the end. What did you think of the first 2022 campaign? New addition, A.J. Brown, Jalen Hurts in a prove it year. What was your assumption of your squad as week one concluded? I, I really like the fact that we put up 38 points on this team. I thought it would be as close as it ended up being. And for a while, it really wasn't. Um, we started off slow. It went up 7 nothing. Then it was quickly 14-7. And then we had a big lead on them. And I didn't like the fact that they was able to come back against us. I feel like our defense needed to tighten it up. But um, we were able to pull it out. And like you mentioned, the addition of A.J. Brown, that man was balling this game. Uh, that man is ridiculous. I'm super. I'm so glad we traded for him and only had to give up a first. It wasn't like a bunch of stuff. But it made up for uh, the terrible pick in Jalen Rager to see this man out here just balling and beasting. And uh, I can't wait to see more out of him. And I'm super happy my team got a W. Not happy that it was close, but definitely that we was put up 38 points. 
because I'm like, even though I loved Hard Knocks, I felt like we should have watched the Lions. <laughs> yeah. I was looking for him too, man. Well, I mean, I know you weren't, but as an outsider looking in, yeah, that, that was my dudes. I, I was kind of pulling for the Lions. I am this year, so revenge game for uh, for uh, Darius Slay. But the, co- the head coach is not even there no more, so I don't know really the same revenge, you know, but kind of, you know. Yeah. Well, I got to move into the, the segment of the week as everything that we, as usually when we get back into our regular season format, we have a nice see you segment and we have our what's going on. Where we want to give props and we want to ask questions. We want to try to figure out what all of this means when we sit here and re- sit back and talk about and discuss and table all of the events that occurred on the Sunday. And we're going to start this off tonight with I See You. What's up, player? I see you. So, within the first one, Henry, I'm going to swing this back over to you. Do you have an ICU one, two, or more? And who is the first one? My first one's going to be Saquon Barkley, man. What's up, player? I see you. We saw him these past two years hurt. Uh, we also saw how abysmal that Giants offensive line was. And in the past two years, they invested in that offensive line. And I think it paid them dividends today over there against that Titans front. Uh, Saquon Barkley yeah. he, he did his thing today. You know, he had over – 100 yards, 18, we're 164, averaging 9.1 yards per carry. That's that's the sick one we know. And that mm-hmm. also makes Daniel Jones' job a whole lot easier. Makes him a whole lot more comfortable back there as well, too. So my ICU is going to be Saquon Barkley, and I'll give an honorary second ICU to Brian Dayball, uh, first-year uh, first head coach for the Giants. And uh, I like what he did over there against uh, – when some people think that Mike Barry will top five, top ten head coach, I, I like how he team was down. He, you know, team kept fighting, and and you can see it's it's a, it's a different Giants uh, atmosphere over there. And I like what he's doing. That's a really good mention because when we did our top ten head coaches, Mike Vrabel was, you know, firmly supplanted in the bottom portion of the top ten, but nonetheless in it. And that and that's a really good one because, I mean, no one really expected a lot from this giant squad, even though we spent 57 minutes on it in our season <laughs> preview. <laughs> even though that happened, like, none of us walked away from that saying the Giants are going to be good. I guess, you know, you get much ado about nothing, as they say. Corday, I'll swing it to you. I see you, your first, if not your only. Who do you want to first bring shine to? I, I got two, but I got to give love to the dude who I just mentioned beforehand, Mr. A.J. Brown. What's up, player? I see you. 10 catches, 155 yards is his debut. Debut in the Eagles and the Eagle and on the Eagles team. I was I, I might have to buy this dude jersey after the night, but I'm super excited to see him balling out, uh, showing up on the team, uh, giving us a true number one as Devontae Smith still emerges and Dallas Goddard becomes uh the number one tight end that we have and becomes even better. Super happy we got this man falling out, jump balls, uh, becoming Jalen Hurts' uh, number one target. It's super dope to see him on the team. And I'm just, I'm just, I'm, I got the biggest smile on my face. We, I know we just audio, but I'm just cheesing. <laughs> oh, yeah, I feel like we can hear it though. I feel like I can hear your smile. I feel like, man, that's I'm it. over here. Yes. Yes, that's what that we do, man. Sometimes you yeah. can hear people's smiles in week one. That's what it do. Yeah, and then definitely. And then my honorary. I see you goes out to uh, Michael Thomas. What's up, player? I see you. Um, didn't have a big game, but uh, I see you coming back 
uh, putting up five catches and uh, 55 yard, 57 yards receiving and two touchdowns. Uh, AJ Terrell hasn't given up a didn't give up a touchdown all last year, and he gave up two uh, week one. And the fact that Michael Thomas missed all of last year with the ankle injury, and then he missed most of the season before that. I, I think he what he played like in five or six games the year prior. So he was reminding people mm-hmm. how good of a receiver he is. He didn't have a ton of yards, but two touchdowns you can't sneeze at. And he's going to work his way back into reminding people exactly who the hell he is. So that's my other honorary. I see you. Nice. I have two ICUs to round out the category. And my first one that I have to bring up is is more of a duo. And this is Justin Jefferson and Kevin O'Connell. What's up, player? I see you. Just what? I had expected from this pair once they linked up and what concepts Kevin O'Connell was going to add to Justin Jefferson's game with Mike Zimmer out of the picture to put speed bumps and roadblocks and, you know, spikes and tar in the way of the adaption of his offense. Today we saw Justin Jefferson on full tilt used and almost even pulled back towards the end of the game. But nonetheless, this man finished with nine grabs, 184 yards and two touchdowns. This man could walk out of the season this year as the best receiver in the NFL, and I would not be shocked. It's so funny because he it's like he's been talking about it too. And you're like, ah, yeah, whatever. We'll see. But hey, hey, game number one, he proved it. Like, like he's net like his game always has been speaking for him. He already set the record for the first two years in the NFL with the most receiving yards during his rookie season when Mike Zimmer didn't even want to play him through the first four weeks. Right, And now you actually have someone who's leaning into all the concepts and the modern-day usage of players like, like he did previously when Kevin O'Connell was the offensive coordinator for the Rams and being able to scheme up Cooper Cup in these spaces where he has two-way goes, being able to take advantage of his elite route-running ability. You're seeing that happen now with someone who has elite route-running ability and more physical tools than Cooper Cup. And yeah. that's just what I love seeing today. And I see the combo of both of them very much. In the second quarter... The Vikings were up 10, right? 43 seconds left in the half on their own, like 30, 36 or so. Cousins was under center out of 11 personnel. There was a two by two with Jefferson in a condensed split to the left. Now this gives Jefferson a two way go because he's pinched in close to the line. They run a play action. In this situation last year, Mike Zimmer's not even doing this. He's going to run it. going to play for a field goal, right? Yeah. Jefferson runs, basically, they basically dial up this like scissors with a zip motion from Adam Thielen. Jefferson breaks open like there's nobody in the regular TV viewing screen when he catches the ball in the 20. He takes off running up the right sideline. There's three members of the secondary there. He stiff arms Adrian Amos into the ground, and then he runs over Eric Stokes to get into the end zone. Mm-hmm. Like this dude is doing just things like that where he takes advantage of what his play caller is putting on the table and then devouring it. But then he has other times where he's using what Kevin O'Connell's just like, no, this is a layup, but I'll just give it to Justin Jefferson. That was his first touchdown of the day. Fourth and one, right, from the four. Nine minutes left in the first. It's 0-0. Again, a situation where Mike Zimmer is not going for it. He's going to kick a field goal, right? They put Jefferson in that jet motion that you always saw in L.A. with McVay, right? You see the, the slide block coming. It's one guy moving behind the line of scrimmage in like a zip motion with a play action and he's wide open the flat because the defense flew one way then has to cut back and go the other way. Right. We, we talked about this with Tyler Higby with Cooper cup. Now we're putting Justin Jefferson in that role and he scores a fucking touchdown. Like, like it, it looked like a layup. 
these types of things is what I'm really, really happy to see. And it's not like they were doing this against a bad defense. Say what you want about Aaron Rodgers. This Packers defense was still supposed to be good. Take Pag to be good. And they weren't today. Justin Jefferson carved him up like a heart knife through butter. The last one that I have is, uh, this one hits home, but I had to do it. Trey Pipkins, the right tackle for the Chargers. What's up, player? I see you. <laughs> I needed a laugh from a comedian and a laugh from Henry on that one. Like I, I needed both, and thank you, gentlemen, for delivering. Trey Pipkins today, bro. I thought he'd be a liability going into this game. And throughout the, throughout the first half, they were sending chip blocks to his side. They were helping him out. I get it. They're going to basically, basically be like, okay, we're going to let, uh, what's his butt? Uh, the what kind of Rayshon Slater, the left tackle, he's going to work one on one with whoever it is. It ended up ended up being Chandler Jones in the Raider game, and then the right tackle they were giving him chip help. In the second half, they made an adjustment where they're like, "Nah, we'll we'll leave you one on one," and none of these dudes had a sack on Justin Herbert. The differential in sacks was six to nothing. Like like we can't have the pass rushers we have while the Chargers have the pass rushers they have. And the, the sack differential is six to nothing. Trey Pipkins held up in one-on-one with Max Crosby, who did get a chur. He got a couple of QB hits. He may have got some hurries. No sacks. Bro, you get a half against Trey Pipkins, I need you to deliver. And, and he couldn't tonight. So, And the reason was, really honestly, is he was blocking his ass off. I really don't know what else to say. Trey Pipkins, nicely done. Nicely done. Especially when he left you in one-on-one. We're going to cut to a quick break. We're going to come back with our final segment of the evening. What's going on? Hey guys, Brandy from Cover Zero. If you are anything like me, you are not getting your morning started without a fresh cup of brew. Well, I have the perfect coffee for you. I am Wise Coffee Company. You're looking for a whole bean single origin coffee from Guatemala called the Carmel Trust or my personal favorite, Tropical Real Estate. They also have wonderful blends straight from El Salvador and Ethiopia. You can enjoy these delicious roasts as cold brews, espressos, or even iced coffees. Just head over to IamWiseCoffeeCo.com. Use the code COVERZERO on checkout to receive your 10% discount and support this Black-owned business. Start your morning off right. I am Wise Coffee Company. Welcome back. Before we get into our final segment of what's going on, I want to bring up something that's often discussed in the realm of football. And that is the idea or the the way that a revenge game is posed. Henry, as a person who I know believes in that in some instances, do you think this was in any way at all a revenge game for Joe Flacco? I don't. If you're trying to bring up a revenge game for Joe Flacco or a revenge game for CJ Mosley, they were no damn revenge game at all. I didn't look at that. People, I remember people on Twitter was like, man, I'm scared of Joe Flacco more than Zach Wilson. I said, I'm not, but I see how he's playing. So, to answer your question, absolutely not. It wasn't a revenge game. And of course, people try to, you know, get a story out of it because, of course, you know, he won the Super Bowl with us and et cetera. But no, absolutely not. Uh, wasn't a revenge game, but we, we we did light his ass up. I know that much. Oh, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, you did. And I just it 
I always just, it's funny to me when people are like, oh, the revenge factor. But like you have to, within that, take into, a, into consideration the person that the guy that, that you're going against is. Joe Flacco probably has no animosity. <laughs> you don't care. <laughs> you don't care. I, exactly. He's at the point of his career, like, let me just keep getting these checks and then, yeah. Bro, yeah. facts. Yeah. How much money do you think I, uh, do you guys think that uh, Joe Flacco has made throughout his career? It's a pretty, it's a pretty good amount because we gave him two it's, big contracts, so it's a pretty good amount. Exactly. Yeah, it's in terms big. of money earned, what would you guess his earnings are? Earnings over that he has in his bank. I'd say at least two hundred mil. I'd say over two fifty. One seventy. Oh, that's fine. Yeah. But okay. yeah, like yeah, two hundred. Yeah, one seventy. But like he's all the way good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, just, he's just stacking at this point. I don't blame him. Do it. Yeah. Oh yeah. No. Yeah, because a lot, of, a lot of, a lot of teams bring him in like, oh, we need a veteran presence and stuff like that to help out our young quarterback. I'm like, Joe Flacco don't be giving, be helping young quarterbacks out. Like, what are you talking about? Like, I remember, I remember when they, when y'all traded him from the Ravens to Denver, they was like, so you gonna help the young guy, uh, uh, Drew Lock? He's like, yeah, I'm too busy uh, trying to learn this offense. to really just kind of come out there and help people. I was like, bro, what? And then I was like, yep. did he help Lamar at all? I really don't think he did. Uh, but, yeah. I, but I also remember I heard, like, the reason why they drafted Lamar is because Black Ohio got lazy there in, in Baltimore wasn't coming in shape. You know, like, it's, a funny, it's a funny story about that, too. I remember the – so he never in the offseason got with our receivers. That year we drafted Lamar, he finally dealt with the receivers in the office. <laughs> right away. Right away. Yeah. So that just says a lot. That, that just lets you know about his worth ethic right there. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It speaks to his worth, his work ethic. And it also makes you ask a question like, what's going on? Yeah. You know what I mean? Why are you not getting with these receivers? But nonetheless, with week one, we're going to ask the same question What's going on? Hello, Cover Zero. This is the NFL Exec Office. How can I help you today? What is going on? Corday, who is the first area? What's the first player? What today really made you scratch your head and have to think about, bro, what's going on? Well, first came to mind uh, for me specifically was that the Super Bowl runner-up didn't beat their uh, rival. And that's the Cincinnati Bengals. What is going on? End up losing to a Mitchell Trubisky-led team. That is my what's going on. And especially the head coach, Zach Taylor, um, not challenging a touchdown catch that Jamar Chase made. And then he got one foot in, and it looked like the ball was right there on the line. But they didn't get it. <laughs> I didn't want him to because I had Jamar in fantasy. I was like, don't, don't challenge that. <laughs> they didn't get it. And then they was like right there on the half yard line. And then they messed up on a play and turned the ball over. I was just like, bro, what is going on? Also, this same team that supposedly fixed the O line still had Whoa. seven sacks on the day. Like, I thought you it, fixed it, problem, Zach Taylor. Look, I would have thought he did too. That would be one thing the O line, the O line coach, got to get with the group about. But I, I, you're right. I mean, it was not a beautiful day. Like, like Joe, four picks, four picks too. Six yeah, sacks. forgot to mention like, four picks. I mean, yeah. in the first half, <sighs> four turnovers in the first half. His first throw of the whole entire season was an interception that yeah. went for a little pick six. Yeah, Minka. 
Mika, yeah, Mika, ran, Mika had a Mika balled his ass out today. Balled his ass off today. Yep. Blocked, the block and kick and, 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 and pick the six. This yep. man's counted for ten points as your free safety. Yep. Crazy, bro. So that's about what's going on. Zach Taylor, get it together. And I kind of, well, I'm gonna say it. I couldn't really say it last year because they was winning, but this is a team that's winning because they're a talent and despite their head coach. Like I never believed in Zach Taylor. We thought he was gonna get fired last year. And I still don't think this man is a good head coach. Um, so what is going on goes to them. And they'll probably turn it around uh, because uh, they play in Dallas next week and Dak has a broken thumb. He's going to need surgery. So they'll hopefully turn it around. But Zach Taylor, the Cincinnati Bengals, what is going on, man? You you had talked about I mean, you mentioned Dak's uh, finger. We're not previewing the Sunday night or recapping, I should say, the Sunday night game tonight. That was uh, mostly a snooze fest. But is it confirmed that Dak does need surgery? Jerry Jones confirmed it that he has an injury that he will he'll be out several weeks and that he does need he does need surgery on it. He confirmed it, and the funny thing about it was they they asked him in the reporter's eyes that he actually gave them an answer. Because, you, well, you know, Jerry Jones is the head coach. I mean, the owner of the, <laughs> <laughs> of the Dallas bro, Cowboys. That's the comedian in you. You had that yeah. written like four months ago, bro. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So he confirmed it. Oh, my God. He, and, he's uh, killing. He's killing. Corday is they, killing. <laughs> they said he'll be out several weeks. Um, and then Ian Rappaport confirmed it. Like, I think it was like two or three minutes later. And so I'm like, yeah, so he's out several weeks. And so. Dallas gonna start rough, especially with uh, Cooper Rush taking over and, and Dak being out, which I'm pissed because I drafted Dak in one of my fantasy leagues, but I'll pick up somebody to replace him. Henry, uh, tonight, today, the Ravens were impressive. Who was the exact opposite of that in your eyes? I was gonna say Joe Burrow, but you know, you you already covered uh, uh, the Bengals. I especially was gonna say him, especially all the shit he was talking this offseason, talking about. <laughs> well, we got Joe Mixon and. If you yeah. single cover Jamar Chase and Ty- T. Higgins, good luck. Shut, shut up, bro. <laughs> then you're going to talk about the only That's... team we all care about in the AFC are the Chargers <laughs> and the Bills. Shut up again, bro. Like, I, 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 I saw this research about, you know, their, their schedule last year. You know, out of all the wins that they had, they had the most wins against teams that had, like, the most injured players throughout the whole year last year. Mm. So, we're going to really see what you guys are about. Teams are healthy now this year. If you guys won the Super Bowl, I think last year was their best chance to ever win a Super Bowl. Yep. But I don't think those are going to go again. But to get back on the case, mine is going to go to Brian Gutekinds and how he thought that wide receiver group. What is going on? Over there in Green Bay was going to really be something without Devontae Adams. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. That's a good one, bro. Look that Aaron Rodgers had on his face. <laughs> 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 oh hell no! I know that. <laughs> look on his face, man. It, that it just it just didn't look good, man. It, you know, know the this Randall Cobb. We know he's he's due to have like a player to a game, but nothing that's gonna scare a defense. You know, right? Yeah. Sammy Watkins, he just had with us. He was literally up and down with the Ravens. Yeah. Once again, not a big addition to to scare defense once again. Mm-hmm. So I thought they were going to be leaning up big time on, on Aaron Jones and, and, and Dylan. 
that didn't go so well as uh, go go pretty good as well. So yeah, I think I don't even know if they got any type of money. They could have brought in a Julio. We see how solid he's pretty doing over there with Tom Brady. Mm-hmm. Um, they had plenty of chances in the draft to trade up to one for one of those elite yeah, ones. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I don't I don't like what Brad Budick has done. So yeah, that's that's my I think uh he's probably going up and looking at the draw board. Maybe hey, maybe try to get an old devil. Well, Odell probably won't be ready to what, maybe November, maybe? Something right. like that. So yeah, that's mine because there's really nothing left out there that he can do unless he makes a trade or something like that. But I mean what what wide receiver is really on the market like that? A good one mm-hmm. being trade. So yeah, that's my what's going on because uh, yeah, you got some work to uh, to do over there, and uh, we all know how Aaron Rodgers is. He's he's already in mid season form with his attitude. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. We know Devontae Adams. He a the first step that he did, he did was ignore the franchise tag. The second yeah. step that he did was he turned down the same type of uh, deal that the Packers offered him that the Raiders did, but he wanted to go play with Derek Carr. And some of that goes, I'm with you, like right now, like they could have done way more in investing in the right wide receiver position throughout all the resources available to them. Right. But they chose not to. But as far as as the Devontae deal goes, how much of of the blame do you put on that on Gutekunst as opposed to you put on Aaron Rodgers with his relationship to Devontae? I'm going to say 75 percent Aaron, 25 the GM, but then again, but like I said, the GM knows all this stuff. So you you got to prepare. Mm-hmm. You have to prepare. You had two first round draft picks because, of course, the extra one via the Raiders with the trade. Mm-hmm. We saw teams trade up. We saw the Saints trade up. You know what I mean? To go mm-hmm. to go get their guy. You could have made a move, bro, to go to go get something. You know what I mean? Better than waiting for the second round pick to to, to take your wide receiver. We took two uh, two defensive players, which is uh, first round pick. Your two first round picks. Mm-hmm. So but as far as just the whole Devontae Adams, I'm gonna say some of it was Aaron Rodgers. He probably got tired of his shit too. And yeah. I don't blame him. He, so, he said uh, he did. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's tired of his shit. Don't blame him at all. So I'll give seventy five Aaron, twenty five uh the GM. But as far as the GM just setting up this team and knowing that Devontae Adams probably was gonna be back and you have plenty of time to prepare to try to revamp this wide receiver room and you did it, that's a problem. Mm-hmm. Great point. For sure. Great point, Henry. I, I definitely agree as well. Uh, like I remember, I was telling Jordan uh, when we was doing the, uh, I think the the North preview. I was saying everybody keeps saying that the Packers don't draft first round receivers, but they develop uh, and draft good ones late. I was like, that was Ted Thompson who did that, not Brian Gutekunst. Ted Thompson drafted a Greg Jennings, a Randall Cobb, a, a, a Jordy Nelson. A, a, mm-hmm. a, Devontae Adams. Like, that wasn't – like, we saw the ones he drafted. He was Marquez Valdez-Scanlon, and he drafted the other Amon St. Brown and uh, and Alan Lazard. I'm like, those, those are the receivers Gutekunst brought in. I'm like, yo, this, this is going to be definitely a struggle. And I felt like this was the main thing that people wasn't focused on enough, uh, saying that uh, it would be pretty good because they drafted Sky Moore and Romeo Dobbs. But I was still like, so you traded from the back of the second round up to the second pick in the second round to draft the receiver, but instead of taking one in the first, we could have traded up in the first and got one that could have been way better when it was a lot more there. 
Mm-hmm. I'm like, nah, man. And then and I remember uh, their second round pick, I think it was Chris, Christian Watson, was hurt for all of training camp and then was beat a dude deep and then dropped the ball. So Aaron really doesn't even have a lot of trust or a lot of res- rapport with him in the first place because he didn't start practicing, I think it was like the last week and a half of training camp. So, yeah, it, it's going to it's gonna be rough out there for the Green Bay Packers, man, Rodgers. Yeah, for sure. Henry talked about it. <laughs> the Packers – but then also, um, the Patriots, man. What is going on? They put up seven points against the against the Miami Dolphins. This uh, uh, this this um, experiment of having former defensive coordinators call offensive plays, or have a special teams coach who told who coached receivers for one year called be the other offensive coordinator or game passing coordinator, whatever they got going on over there. Uh, Seven points against the division rival, and they haven't had luck in Miami. But everybody said that, but they haven't had luck at the end of the season playing Miami. That's usually when they like lay an egg. It's like they'll be up in Foxborough. It's like forty degrees, it's snowing, and then they'll go down to Miami in like November, and it's like a, a humid eighty-five degree day. That's when they usually lose. When it's the beginning of the year, that's when they usually beat the brakes off Miami because it's still the Miami University hasn't been like that good most of the time when they played them but seven points I, I was I was thinking going to this year I was like they really just have nobody as an OC this is probably one of the most arrogant things that Bill Belichick has did like I'm just gonna take these two <laughs> dudes who was fired and we're we gonna make them OCs co-OCs and call the plays for a young quarterback and Matt Jones I'm like, bro, bro, there was a point in this game where like, so I turned it on. I wanted to see what they're doing. I'm, I'm really yeah. glad you brought it up because yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about and I echo it. But there was a point where I turned this this game on and I wanted to look at the same thing you're talking about. And Greg Gumbel was the one, or Brian Gumbel, which, whichever the one of the fuck of the It's Greg, it's Greg. It's Greg. It's Brian, Brian right. does HBO. Greg is the one who does yeah. Greg, so yeah, it is Greg, right? So Greg's doing the announcer and, he, and he's like, I'm trying to sit here and I'm trying to look at it to see which one of these guys is making the play calls? And I can't tell, but it doesn't matter because they only have seven points on the board. In the first <laughs> 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 was dying. Uh, like, honestly, yeah, like it is like, this is, this is either Belichick. Like, I think this could be, I'm not, I'm not going there yet, but this could be the part where Bill Belichick goes into senility before he goes into, I'm one step ahead of the rest, but continue. Oh, I was just I was just gonna say, like, do you gotta fix it now? Um, because Matt Patricia wasn't a good defensive coach when he was with New England and then when he went to the Lions. Joe Judge got credit for almost making it to the playoffs, but the team was still six and ten, and the defensive coordinator he had got a lot out of the lack of talent on that defensive side. So I'm still like why would you bring both guys in to call plays when they weren't even successful under you or elsewhere? Like, bring back an old OC or old QB coach or something like that. Like, you need to really replace, especially because Matt Jones is going to his second year, so you want your quarterback to keep ascending forward, not start regressing. It it just don't make a lot of sense to me. So what's going on mm-hmm. in New England? Fair question. I, I did think the Dolphins would win that one. Uh, shout out to my guy, Chris Tran, 39 more for Tua. I got the over on 40. Let's keep that going. <laughs> but for my what's going on, I have 
the Indianapolis Colts. What is going on? Y'all play the Texans today, okay? <laughs> Y'all play the Texans today. We talked about this team on the show, and and I don't and look. This is this is a credit to Lovey for how he got these dudes to ball out, right? But we still pegged them as the worst roster in the league. The Colts yep. moved the ball on them, but made so many errors in points where you should not make errors against a team like the Texans. It seems so off. I mean, in the second quarter, there was uh what was it? There was a 66-yard drive, right? That they they put together on them. Brought up a fourth and goal from the Houston two. And I, I love going for it here. Like I get that. You gotta you gotta be able to like instill some life in your team, your fourth and goal going against the Texans. But we don't like we don't need to go no huddle, run tempo, and put Naheem Hines <laughs> in the gun when you have Jonathan Taylor, Taylor. like and, and, and run this through the B gap. Like, like, come on, bro. Like, I love the decision. I don't like the call. I always feel like that is something that goes into fourth down metrics that is really tough to calculate because it's it's all based on there's so many factors that go into it. And when people use fourth down metrics, they look at it worked, it didn't work. I would more so look at like, well, what did they call when the fourth down was presented to themselves? Fourth and two on the Houston two, like like goal, like let's let's do this. They're the fucking Texans. We're the Colts. We have faith in our offense. Let's go, right? If you look at the box score or you had a fantasy player that was on Indianapolis, they played well, especially if you had Matt Ryan. He played well. However, there were four times Matt Ryan fumbled the ball. They all ended up being recovered. These are the type of things that are going to stifle drives. There was another fumble from one of the other running backs or receivers on the day, and only one of them was lost. But they lost the ball five times on top of Matt Ryan's interception. I mean, it was it was just bad. And this, there was a point in the third quarter, six minutes and 15, 10, whatever. Six, let's just say six minutes left in the third. The score was 20 to three Texans. <laughs> right. The Colts punter, right. He, he's he's getting set to punt. When it's 20 to three with six, 16 left in the third. And this dude booms a 70-yarder and pins the Texans on their one. Like, okay, all right, here we go. Let's get all these jitters out of us, right? Boom. They stuff him on a run and first down. Boom. They stuff Burkhead on another play on second down, right? And it's third down. They force a short pass, and then they force a punt from the Houston seven, right? So it's like the Houston is pinned back super deep. They force a punt. They get it running into the kicker penalty. First down. <laughs> Like, bro, this is the Texans. Like, this is the Texans. Then after that, they get him into another third down. Pep Hamilton, the offensive coordinator for the Texans, swaps in Jeff Driscoll. Watch out. It's Jeff Driscoll. These fools are on a play-action bootleg. Jeff Driscoll on the QB sub runs for a first down. Like, six-yard gain. Like, like all these things happening one time over another. Right? It, it was just, it was awful. It was awful. The Colts scored three points, their first three points of the day, with five minutes and some change left in the first quarter. Right? They put three on the board. They didn't score again until another Blankenship field goal with 10 minutes left in the game. And y'all walked out of there in a tie because Jonathan Taylor went bonkers, Michael Pittman went bonkers. But when it mattered, you guys shit the bed. 
What is going on? I got to bet against Jay to take this division. Y'all can't be letting me down like this. But just like you said, Henry, I see you. I see you Giants. So thank you for beating them damn Titans. <laughs> Week one is here. Gentlemen, do we have any closing thoughts before we get out of here? It was a great week one, but not good for them kickers. Yeah, hey, man, man right? Too many kickers. How many uh, misses did we have today? I don't know the exact number. I know there was like three or four in the uh, Steelers game. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like I got to carry the one if I'm like adding the missed kicks in the Steelers game. Yeah, yeah. exactly, yeah. yeah it, was, it was a bunch. It was a bunch. Group chat was going crazy. All the kicks that was being missed today, it was, it was super funny. Except for the the Browns kicker made it. Yeah, yeah, he, he did. made that game winner. Yeah, football is here, gentlemen. Uh, yeah. all right, we're gonna do Monday night football predictions in sixty seconds. Henry, we're gonna start with you. Quick prediction of what we see on Monday. Broncos big. Russell Wilson goes back in there. I say they probably win at least by 21, 24 points. That's how I feel about it. Uh, Broncos went big. I got them uh, winning by fourteen. Russell Wilson revenge. This is a revenge game because Carroll didn't want to. Let Russ cook, and he was doing all this other weird stuff. So yeah, Russ gonna be cooking. This th- is this a revenge game for Russ? Yeah. I would say so. Yeah, I would say. Yeah. So. I, I definitely don't think he he likes Pete Carroll. I heard it's been awkward yeah. for them for like the last four years. Bronx. I mean, they're playing in Seattle too, right? Russ yeah. going this game, like Russ's first game away from Seattle is in Seattle. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly in prime time and a Broncos jersey. So. Gonna be a good one. Uh, I think this will be closer than a lot of people think, but I got Denver pulling it out in like a, honestly like a twenty to seventeen battle. With Tavares Jackson, Tavares Jackson is not playing. He's not, also, he's not even alive. Gino <laughs> Smith, you know the other black quarterback, the other black backup, Gino you know Smith. Jackson, Gino. That's how you know the the, the is so off the wall for me, bro. Anybody oh, can about them, bro. Oh wow, T Jack. It, there, there's a there's a lot of Seahawk forums out here that's where like Tavares Jackson is the most underrated Seahawk. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like this is this, I'm I'm in the Pacific Northwest hotbed, and this yeah. this is just what I see. Mm, I wonder I wonder when the Seahawks lose tomorrow. I wonder what Riley's gonna post on the page. Shout out SSAW. Just want to see what he posts. <laughs> mm. Yeah, fun. that'll be something to look forward to. Yeah, as will week two. As was week one, we appreciate everybody in here listening to the Cover Zero podcast. And we are just getting started, ladies and gentlemen. Subscribe to the SSAW page. Follow our sponsors. Be sure you like and subscribe to the other podcasts on our network. And we're going to see you all Thursday morning. Take care of yourselves and each other.